podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Anfield Apps Free Show in association with Redsbet. To find out more about them, if betting is your bag, go to redsbet.com. Uh, I'm Gareth Roberts and joining me today to look at the car crash that was Liverpool 2, West Brom 3 and masses surrounding, I've got Andy Keaton and Mike Nevin. Um, okay then, so, so to intro this one, um, that is Mike, the most realistic chance of a trophy gone. Uh, without us going on to win the Champions League, which of course remains a possibility, although most people will probably only say punches chance, but a punches chance is a punches chance. But nevertheless, if we don't win the Champions League, that will be seven years without silverware at Liverpool Football Club, and that will be the club's longest drought for forty-five years. Um, uh, there's been much debate, both pre-match and after-match, about how important the FA Cup is. Of course, there has. That that's what happens every single year. Um, I think Andy summed it up quite well with the tweet he put out in that you know you can have both you can you, you can win the FA Cup and you can come top four everyone recognises consecutive seasons in top four would be good would represent some sort of progress is it that exciting though is it a trip to Wembley is it Cups being held aloft well, well no it isn't uh, and that defeat is the, is the third time in three seasons that we've lost in the FA Cup fourth round and in fact in the FA Cup uh, the last time we went beyond the fourth round is 14-15 when we got to the semis that awful day against uh, Aston Villa Sorry if I'm sounding a bit downbeat, but this is this is how I'm feeling. I know it's only two defeats and all the rest of it, and I get I get the people who are trying to put positivity over, but I'm struggling. I've got to be honest. Mm. Um, but I mean, to go to the match pre-match, um, you're in the pub, you get the texts or your your app pops up. However, you get your team news, you see the team news, and you think, oh well, good. Yeah, he's going strong. It's it's pretty much the, you know the strongest team. Okay, he swaps the fullbacks, he swaps the goalkeeper. But other than that, everyone you want on the pitch is on the pitch, pretty much. Yeah, that was exactly exactly my reaction. I, I you know just said fair play. Um, looks to all intents and purposes that Liverpool just want to win the tie, get through, get to the fifth round. Last sixteen, you know, closer to closer to Wembley, blah blah blah. Um, so yeah, no qualms at all with the selection. Bit weird about the goalkeeping situation. I think I think yeah. you, you you that continues to be a mess for me. Um, I, I I just don't know what kind of messages are being sent to to either of the two uh, lads who are being rotated in this way, and to Danny Ward as well. Um, I, I just think it's absolutely crazy. And I've, I've I said that. Months ago, when the rotation thing came in for Champions League and League, which was deemed to be the most important, can you separate the two? I just think that whole that, that that's that's it's crackers. But just getting back to the you know the selection in general was 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 fine, um, and just coming coming away from the game, it's just it's just rank disappointment. That's what it is. You're just gutted. And on Sunday, I was look, I was just catching up on the other scores because obviously it was a late game of ours, and I'd not I'd been busy in the, in the daytime, not had much ta- chance to look at the scores. And I sort of lulled myself into this false sense of security where I thought, well, Forrest away would be a good one. Uh, and then I thought, Christ, we're out. And it, and it was like this dawn and it was like, hit me, it hit me again. I was gutted on Saturday night and then I gutted again on Sunday. And then you can't watch the, the, get the other games with any interest. It's absolutely devastating. And as you say, I mean, if you want to be realistic about things, I mean, let's hope we win the European Cup. What an achievement that would be. Yes, we've still got a chance if we start spending some money, which it doesn't look like we are. Um, but you know we've passed up the the best chance of a trophy. That is our, that was our. We're not going to win the league. The FA Cup was winnable, um, and you know we've well it was a terrible performance ultimately that that means that we're out of that now. But um, aside from the seven years without a, dra- a drought, 
if, if we don't win the European Cup and we end up trophyless again, that's three seasons for Jurgen Klopp now. Uh, and some people say he was only in charge for, you know, since I think it was the 8th of October or the October, 11th of October yeah. when he took over. But Liverpool reached two cup finals in that season. And okay, they didn't win them. I, I haven't really got any, any issue with that. You can lose cup finals. Every, every, everyone loses cup finals. Liverpool managers in the past have lost cup finals. But don't be telling me it's two seasons because it isn't. It's three seasons. And and if after three seasons you haven't won anything under a manager, under normal circumstances, people would begin to ask questions. And I think what compounds that now is the situation with this January window. There's news today that Surridge might be going. There's no news of any incoming, uh, in- incomings to compensate for the loss of Coutinho, to further compensate for the loss of Sturridge. And I honestly just don't know what's going on at the football club. And, you know, there's, there's disappointment about a result is one thing, but worry about the way things are being, are being managed at the moment, either at board level or in the dressing room. I, you know, I'm, I'm just genuinely concerned. As a Liverpool fan, as a passionate Red, I'm a bit worried. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what's happened. It kind of feels that, you know, it is, it is only two bad defeats, albeit to two poor sides who've, who've both struggled this season. But it is sort of bolted onto other worries. And and, and this is, this would be my point, really, about those who sort of still devalue the FA Cup and question its importance, is I would say, well, you've you've potentially killed huge momentum here by, by going out of this competition. And by staying in it, you keep momentum. So, you know... You, we were talking about it before we started recording about the 2001 season and I, and I, and, I, and Carragher talks about it in his book a lad who was involved a lad who played in that season about how winning the Cups how winning the League Cup how winning the FA Cup it all rolled on it all rolled on confidence kept going up they, they thought that he could overcome anything there was confidence there there was you know, there was teams, there was team spirit, there was all, all, all the things that you want, all the things that breed success. And, and going out of competition at home, at, at the fourth round stage, in a, in a winnable tie, is not good for confidence, however you want to spin it. Um, in terms of the actual game, and I mean, it was a fairly positive start, I thought. You know, we, we said about the team lineup, it, it, they were getting shots off in and around the box early doors. I thought Sadio Mane w- was quite bright initially. And, and and it kind of all looked right at first. You thought, this is what we expect, because you expected a reaction to Swansea. You expected a bit of urgency. You expected high tempo. We're gifted a goal uh, because of the misunderstanding between Evans and Foster, and it's a fantastic finish by Firmino. But then it's, it's then that it unravels. I mean, to, to concede that equaliser 68 seconds after going in front, criminal. Yeah, yeah. As, as you said, there was an absolute gift. And my first thought, once we got that, was right. Okay, this is going to be three, four, and five, given the nature of the goal. Out mm-hmm. he conceded the goal. And my second thought was, after that you, you tit, because I can't, I can't fucking stand them. Who can? Yeah, but, but you, you look. You're quite right. Winning, winning breeds winning. And I think when you talk in those terms and around where, you know, oh, we've got to have this priority or that priority, you're almost letting the players off the hook a little bit with the with, with the on with, on the focus side of things like oh. Well, you know the priorities, the Champions League, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and you are quite right. I I always go back to the spark of two thousand and one. I'm not even talking about the FA Cup. You look at the League Cup. We got knocked out by Leicester two 0 Now, if you're looking for for a catalyst to propel you to, to to the business end, if you're going back, it wasn't the FA Cup? I know we won the FA Cup in the end, but beating that two thousand one League Cup final from there to the end of the season, you can see we're just on a trajectory yeah. like that. The other thing as well. <coughs> sorry for buffing and apologies for my voice. I'm still suffering. Um, about six weeks on from the Aussie flu, but um, the the thing about that team in two thousand and one, never mind the confidence that gave them as they progressed through that season, 
Most of them were in Istanbul when Liverpool came back from three down and showed incred- incredible fighting spirit. They'd been there before. They'd been there before. They'd won that European. They won the UEFA Cup playing teams like Barcelona and Porto, um, good sides, and, and Roma, of course, as well. So the the spirit and the winner mentality that came from, from, from getting to the UEFA Cup final and winning the League Cup. The League Cup led to the FA Cup. The FA Cup led, led to the led to the, um, the UEFA Cup. And the UEFA Cup, ultimately, we, we won that and then we had to go... And, and what did we do on the Saturday? We qualified for the Champions League and we qualified in third place, by the yeah, way. So, of course, it can be done. What about 2006, which was our last major trophy, if you don't count the League Cup? What did we do that season? We qualified for the Champions League. Throughout Benitez's well, well, tenure... The FA we, Cup win as well, coming from behind against West Ham as well. Yeah. they'd been there before. Well, exactly. Um, and the fact that it was 3-3 and we won on penalties, it's no coincidence, that. Because the players know we're 2-0 down. This isn't over. This isn't over because they've got that. It's like muscle memory in the in the in the brain, basically. But I mean, um, I, I, as I've said there, though, the, t- the team selection doesn't hint at any complacency there. And and, and Klopp, Klopp was asked about complacency in terms of well, the big picture, if you like. But he's not shown complacency by putting that team out there. That 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 was a team that said to me he wanted to win that tie. It wasn't. So what, did they, by the way? If, it, if you look at their lineup, they went strong as well. Yeah, they were, yeah. They, they, they were in, in and it they were it. positive in terms of how they played, and they were and they were much. And you know, yeah, Pardew did talk about wanting them to be able to play with freedom, which quite clearly that isn't what they did when they came here in the league. No, um, they played with freedom and aggression as well. That was yeah. the other thing. I thought they were bang up for it. They were snapping it to every tackle. Oh, well, that was the disappointment, isn't it? Because you know the. the the, the two goals that, that we so quickly concede, but on both of them, they're more aggressive. They seem to just want it more. You know, Emery Chan twice is, it looks too sort of lightweight and is too easily bypassed in midfield. Uh, Moreno seems quite late to the party, getting over a couple of times there as well. Van, D- Van Dijk, for the, for the, I think it's the second one. I don't know what the hell he's doing. He's mm. just standing still. He's got his hand, he's got his hand on the fellow's shirt. As the ball comes across him. He's completely flat-footed. I've got no idea what he's doing. Uh, and Matip's, Matip's involved in, involvement in the uh, in the third goal. I mean, he, he tries to back heel it on, yeah. on his own line. I don't know what he's doing. Misses it and it ends up in the back of the net. I mean, that's just absolutely crazy defending. But this comes back to, and I, I know it was mentioned briefly there, the lack of cohesion in the back foot. Yes, it was a strong side. It was, I, I granted that. But the lack of cohesion and... Don't do that. I'm doing the talking with the hand thing and Mike's thinking, great for podcasting. Cheers, Mike. I'm just dropping your hints about the goalie. The, yeah, right. So the lack of cohesion at the back, for, but it's unnecessary. He starts strong. It's a good lineup individually, but surely off, off the back of deciding that Lawrence Carrier's is your number one and you're finally going to Jetson, Simon Ming, I wrote something on the site from last night. Yeah, it was very good. About the very same thing. Surely you you want to get some understanding across that back four and the goalkeeper because mm. they look at sixes and sevens and I keep hearing this line about oh as a unit we're actually alright it's individual mistakes that are costing us etc etc they so weren't sure. a unit there they no, weren't a unit no, as no, well no I don't think we are I'm only repeating what the manager yeah. said time and time again in press conferences I think defensive, defensively we're shambles individually and collectively Yeah. so surely given the opportunity you got your new, new centre half in Virgil van Dijk's there you'd try and get a little bit of continuity in there to breed some kind of confidence and understanding between the lot of them. Yeah, and and yet again, he's decided oh, to throw the baby out of the bathwater yeah. and ends up playing the fella who we dropped for the other fella the week before. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, Dan Morgan raised a good po- uh, point on one of the shows recently where he, he was trying to justify or come, for it, come, come to a conclusion why he'd gone for Carrius. And he said it was because he, he might have been waiting for Van Dyke so that they could, you know, effectively just start from scratch and, and say, right, we need to develop a partnership. Well, 
and I thought that was a good point. And, I, and as much as I think Carrius is, is crap, um, I could I can see reasoning behind that because you know you know but as people keep on saying we've seen less of him than we have of Mignolet. I've seen enough of them to be perfectly honest. But nonetheless, there was some validity in that argument. So why then, after two games, switch the keeper again? So what kind of understanding is being built up there? And understanding with Mignolet, who isn't going to play in the other games, it just doesn't make any sense. No, I, I mean, think, sorry, go on. I was just going to say that, you know, this season in general, I mean, we, you know, we, we've got to be careful not to go too mad, if you like. I mean, we have had we have had the, the unbeaten run. We are still well-placed in the league. We are still in the last 16 of the Champions League. All of those things are good things. Um, but I, I just wonder, you know, like you look at the lineup changes. There's, there's a stat this morning on the BBC, and after 24 games last season, uh, the lineup had been changed 36 times. Uh, this season, it's 93. And I just think, while I understand the concept of rotation, obviously, and keeping legs and minds fresh, it, I think what you're both saying to me here is that you know some of it, some of it feels unnecessary. You know, like so you look at you look at Saturday and you say, okay. You know, he changed both the full-backs. And, and you can sort of understand that. They both played a fair bit of football, particularly Robertson. Uh, you know, he's had that long run. And so Moreno coming in didn't seem like the maddest shout. But the keeper thing, you know, that's just adding to that stat that I've just read out. And it doesn't seem necessary, especially when you've come out and basically said, he is now our number one. He's the number one. So just just leave him in there because, you know, Mignolet doesn't have a good game again. Um, it's down on the agenda to talk about, but I don't want to, you know, I don't, I don't want the chat to be nominated dominated by by keepers again but he doesn't he doesn't emerge with any credit from that you know and, and in fact he's probably saved by the officials a couple of times from being even more red-faced I mean quite why you know on the goal that is disallowed um just because Gareth Barry's sticking his ass in and giving him a bit of push I don't really understand why he can't basically push him over mm. or highlight it to the referee before the ball's even you know give him a well, two, it, it, give him a good two-handed push and when the ref goes what's going on here goes all over me here mm. it's all over me but but it's like a he's too nice but it was the only that wasn't the only time in the game there was the other goal that was disallowed for offside which was clearly offside Where the but the goalkeeper didn't it know the, it the, yeah, the goalkeeper yeah. didn't know that and you've got a fellow who's six foot three can use his arms and I mean watch it back he's, he's actually crouching before yeah. he jumps he's cut but yeah I've got a little bit of sympathy with Simon Mingley on this because I don't think the manager's been fit haven't, made, haven't been dropped I don't think it's then fair on him to stick him back in no because I'm not having it that Simon Mingley's intelligent enough to, to know that everyone in that crowd thinks he's, he's crap I mean none of them are good enough but the reality is now he said to the other fella you're my number one and I can, I've got a little bit of sympathy with that in so much as that Lawrence Carrius is 24 so you've got to you've, you've got to choose between a fella who we know isn't good enough and definitely isn't good enough and definitely won't improve against another fella who definitely isn't good enough but there's a small chance could improve yeah so but going back to the performance if you could sum up he didn't make any glaring mistakes that cost us because the uh, first one got chalked off for offside and the second one didn't get given any even for the goals he just looked so lethargic mm. You know, there's no move. He doesn't look knocked again, hasn't he? He by the situation. But who's and, caused that situation, Mike? Well, it's the manager, isn't it? And 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 as I said at the start as well, if you're Danny Ward and you and you see you see these two being swapped around, and then he's saying basically he's saying Carrius is me number one, Mignolet is me number two, as evidenced by the fact that he plays on Saturday night. What does that say to Danny Ward? He, I mean, it's 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 it, it, maybe he's no good though. 
Do you know what I mean? No, I, and, and I've said for a while that I think it's, it's a complete red herring that the suggestions that Ward should be in the team. If he was any good, he'd be playing now. Well, to be, to be fair, Mark... I, 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 I've got to say, I, I, I think Klopp has got an obvious blind blind spot on goalkeepers. And whilst we're waiting for this, I, I can't wait for the transfer window to shut, to be, to be quite honest. But never mind replacing Coutinho, never mind uh, replacing Sturridge um, if he goes as well. Why can't we be in for a goalkeeper now? And I, I people say, well, they're not the ones that that that, uh, that he wants aren't available. Well, there's, there, there are goalkeepers out there who are available that you can get if you want. I think Joe Hart wants to go um, from from West Ham. That he's better. He's better than Carriers well, and he's yeah, better than Mignolet. Yes, the, why don't we? Why don't we? Why are we not doing anything about so this? There's two. Th- there's two things here. Danny Ward. Okay, so Liverpool's academy director of goalkeeping is a fellow called Mark Morris. Mark Morris is also in the Welsh setup. Mark, no one knows more about Danny Ward than Mark Morris. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying Danny Ward isn't any good, but what I'm saying is, if someone was ever going to be an advocate for him, it's someone who's coached him all through his career so far. Sure. Also, bear in mind who's the Wales number one at the minute. It's Wayne Hennessy, and he's and he's absolutely dog shit as well. So anyone who's saying, "Oh, we'll stick Danny Ward," and you you simply can't know that. Mm. He might, but you simply can't know that. On the other side of it, and I made the comment last night, and I'm not saying Ben Foster's anything more than average, but he looked more secure last night than anything we've had for the past five. For the past five, I, I mean, I thought I thought, I I mean, thought Foster but, had a great game. You he made about, loads of saves. Well, it wasn't just that; it was coming, and he weren't the best cross in the world, but it was coming for them. Yeah, How it was many times wasn't he? have we seen balls from the opposition just floated in, and it caused panic because no one is going. That's my ball. Mm. I'm going to take that, and it looks easy. It looks easy, but because we've got the fella played last night. He's he fucks scared. up on the first goal, though. <laughs> yeah, you, know, he, he, no, can, he can just come out and boom that, and then there's no goal. Well, there, but there's miscommunication yeah, yeah. between, between the two, but I'm talking about just communicating with your back four and not being absolutely pinned to your line. Mm. So, you know, and I'm not, I'm not advocating signing Ben Foster, but if he's just average... Well, I, th- t- I think to be fair, I mean, I, I'm broadly Without speaking, I Without turning into a big you. goalkeeper debate in, ter- in, you know, in terms of Foster, um, you know... Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think he's the best keeper in the league by any, by any stretch. He's probably, in, I don't know, maybe 10th best in, in the Prem for me. Um, but uh, if he was auditioning for a role as Liverpool goalkeeper ahead of either of the other two that we've got, then he passed his audition for me. And you're right to say he, he, he was slow to come out for the first goal. Then, then that's, that results in a scoring. But he made a lot of saves towards the end of the game. and they were he's, not, saves he's just the... knocking around at West Brom, though, isn't he? I mean, like, you know, he's, he had to go at Man United and get anywhere. And, and like, I'm not I, saying we should sign him. I'm just no, saying, no, I I'm just wonder, saying that I, I just think he's better that when, than when, when we hold up goalkeepers against one another, and I'm not, I'm not defending the ones we've got, but I just just a, a little bit of a counterpoint to say there's more pressure playing for Liverpool, though. I think there's yeah, a bigger the, pressure, bigger scrutiny. Uh, I mean, there's a piece today which I don't necessarily agree with, but uh, Mark Schwartz has wrote something in the uh, mail today. Defending Mignolet and defending keepers in general, just saying he, he feels that too many times, pundits are like, you know, they should have done this and they should have done but, that. And I actually and, agree I, with I, that. And it's not, it's not, you know... It's not realistic. Mm. Like he said, he was he was going on about like you know you see criticism of what hand goalies are going with sometimes and things like that. And he said, and if you've actually been coached as a, as a goalie, which loads of the pundits haven't, mm. then at, you know they're going with the right hand. Do you yeah. know what I mean? They're going yeah. with the hand that they're told to go to that sort of thing. I've said this for a while actually that you can tell that there's this thing that where goalkeepers are underappreciated in the game now, just from the commentary. And everything, you know, really good saves or good saves that are described as smart saves or routine, or r- routine yeah. saves. And 
uh, back in my day, in, in, back in the, the 80s, on kickoff, which is the local um, Granada TV thing, every season, they'd like, save of the month and save of the season. No one has that anymore. Well, the, the, and, and do you know what? There's, there's saves that people now would describe as smart saves that would win save of the month. They're not smart saves. They're the opposite, bloody good goalkeeping. The opposite also happens where camera saves are then applauded. Oh, what a great save. You look in routine. Mm. David De Gea is the master of making really brilliant saves un, look un, so simple. Yeah, and, Come off his foot, but, but, his knee, his chest. Sure. And it's, also, it's, about, look, it's also about bad positioning, Andy, as well. Yeah, it, but that that is not bad luck. No, that that is that is by that's by design. Of course, it but is. when you talk about the reportage around it, it's a different point. But we'll talk about it. Michael Owen's a terrible commentator, but you know what he's brilliant about mm. talking about strikers. Yeah. So when we're talking around the commentaries around the game, why isn't there a goalkeeper? <laughs> you know, if you're talking Absolutely. about goal, if, you're, if you're gonna if the com- if the conversation's gonna be dominated or mm. at least be, uh, you're gonna dedicate ten minutes to talk yeah, about. Get an expert in. Get someone who knows yeah, what they're talking about. Then. No, I totally. Sorry. Agree. All right. Well, let's let's jib goalkeeper chat right, then, and, and, and bring it back around to the to the match itself. Um, so I I kind of feel like we were around the point of talking about the two goals that Liverpool conceding in okay. quick concession. Uh, not particularly great on ge- in general, but I just wanted to talk to you about you know the way Liverpool play from there on in. Really, in that it seemed to me in the ground and watching it that. Quite quickly, confidence evaporated. Quite quickly, the the mentality didn't look great, and and all of a sudden, you know, you were one, you were watching Liverpool's play and, and and just wondering why it couldn't be a little bit quicker, a little bit sharper, why things couldn't go earlier, and I just wondered what your thoughts were on maybe why, you know, confidence looked to have sapped from them so quickly after after you know the rightly the rightly lauded for be, going on that long unbeaten run, yeah, um, from post Spurs until. Swansea City but why in this game do we see a really like I say a positive start you saw Mane Bright and all that sort of stuff and yet you can see two and you could see them berating each other you could see as I say a lot of safe football I thought instead of going early instead of trying to hit players early there was a lot of just come back inside go back you know the the midfield in general the mid you know Chan Van Aldem and Oxlade-Chamberlain don't don't do enough. None of them for me. No. Um, in terms in terms of driving Liverpool forward. Wait, and, and you compare. I think it was the same three against uh, Manchester City, and they were all outstanding yeah. in that game. Um, I mean, <laughs> how can you put your finger on that? Um, I, I think you've got to put it down to complacency. Unfortunately, I, I actually got a program uh, before the game on um, on Saturday night for the first time in ages. I was just flicking through, and it's all about the FA Cup. The whole program is devoted to Liverpool's history in the FA Cup. Klopp's two-page column is talking about the importance of the FA Cup. Henderson's captain's column is, is two pages. Now, Henderson doesn't play. When he comes on, there's a bit of urgency. Mm. Liverpool starts spraying it about and upping the tempo and looked a hell of a lot better and try and nearly get back into the game right at the end. Um, but the 11, the 11 that go, go out there, to shrivel and die after conceding two goals like that was just unacceptable. And one of the, one of the things that Klopp's lauded for is this team spirit, this team spirit that he's trying to engender. Part of the reason that he, be, he was willing to let Coutinho go is he doesn't want disruptive dressing room influences. Well, I don't see any team spirit, spirit in that side last night, and I didn't see much of it on Monday either. It was just it was it was too accepting. As I say, West, West Brom just into every tackle, really really aggressive. Um, look m- more up for it than, than than we did, and you know I'm I'm, I'm a great believer in team spirit, and you know what? But ultimately, team spirit is built by winning. Winning trophies and 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 winning and winning important football matches, 
And we've sort of no excuse because he, he quite rightly referenced the 18-match unbeaten run. OK, there was a few draws in there, but it's still a bloody great run. Mm-hmm. Now, and to me, and I know it's a bloody hobby horse of, of mine, I've been going on about it since Coutinho left, but that, that sale has ripped the heart out of the club. And it, the sale on its own was... As I say, whether you can avoid it or not is, is open to debate. I'm prepared to accept that, you know, he was so desperate that maybe it is better than he went. But to to not, I think the fact that we're not addressing it has got to have something to do with all of a sudden that we, you know, we've lost two games. And we've lost two games that have put us in a fight for fourth, out the FA Cup against poor opposition. And you can go on all you like about not liking Pardew. He's had our pants down twice at Anfield in the, in the last uh, six weeks. That's why I don't like him. Yeah, but there you go. I didn't, um, like Brian. Going back to, I, I didn't like Brian Clough, Andy. Just going back to the game specifically, though, and it raised a question that it's something really interesting, but Robbo's just said there about, say, we seem to play a little bit safe and within ourselves. Is there, a, is there a, a point where we accept that we're actually at our most vulnerable when we're trying to play safe, when we're trying to cover up and play within ourselves and overexpose, almost like the boxers you create on the front football, is useless going backwards? Mm. You know, if we're not on the attack, what are we? Does that make sense? Because it seems well, like... It, well, it does make sense because when we're at our best, it's against teams that want to come and come and play. Now, to be fair to West Brom, they did have a go the but, other but night. But even look at Man City the, the, the other week when yeah. we're, we're on the front foot before yeah. one. There was no sniff of them it's coming. When it's, it's almost like it's better when it's instinctive, when it's just, it's, just, it's just come on, get out there. It's driven by that sort of... Rather than when they're thinking about it more, right? Okay, they're sitting in now. They've got the lead. They, they're 2-1 up. They're just they, they, they've dropped deeper now. They're not they're not they're not pressing as high. They're not coming at us as much. It's up to us now to dictate it. Well, this is a mentality thing. This is a mentality thing in the team. If they if they're not capable of getting the t- of upping the tempo, because let's face it, the other manager's job is to take the tempo out of Liverpool matches because that's where Liverpool play well. When there's a high tempo and a big atmosphere and and all that goes around that, but the, the speed of the game, the type an opposition that's going to come at you, Liverpool are great. We saw that. We saw that as recently as Manchester City. We've seen. We saw it against Arsenal earlier in the season when we won four 0 We've seen it umpteen times. We saw it loads of times last season when we had a great record against teams at the top. We'll come and have a go at yeah. Now, but for me, like it's that mentality. You create that mentality in the dressing room, and uh, you know, without having necessarily having a go at, at Jurgen Klopp, it's his job to create that mentality. It's no one else's. The, 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 the players have got to buy into it. But, but ultimately. The mentality in the dressing room is the manager's job. It's not my job. But hang on, though, as well, isn't isn't that an isn't that an aspect here where you've got to talk about the mentality on the pitch? So we talked about before about how ridiculous it is to, to concede sixty eight seconds after going in front. Then then you've also got the the problem that Liverpool don't really create a huge head of steam around getting back into the match at, at any point really. You know, even when the Salah goal goes in, you know, I thought the crowd really had to go at trying to lift them, at trying to encourage them, and, and and there was a bit of a go, but it was there was too many hopeful balls. It, 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 I don't know, and it never really felt like you fully got that head of steam. Now that's driven to me by the people on the pitch that, mm. and and I, and I wonder. I just wonder whether we're, I mentioned being too nice before, and there was another incident which I thought was too nice, which is where Mata puts the ball out of play when the lads down. The referee, the referee can blow up if he wants he if he wants the yeah. lad to be seen to. Yeah. It's not up to you to just put it out and be giving them it back and all that. Fuck that. Get on the front foot. Score a goal. We're behind, and and you know even at the end as well, like they're down, they're they're essentially down to nine. There's two mm. fellas mm. hobbling round. 
And like we, we don't we don't go all out. We don't throw everyone up front. You only see you know you see Van Dijk get that header late on, and you sort of think, well, why why didn't you get up there before that? Yeah. Because they're not doing anything. Well, they're just holding on. I've got I've got two thoughts. And you talk about mentality on, on pitch mentality. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll deal with Massip first. Massip's just too laid back. He's too laid back. He, I mean, t- to me, I think he's lazy as well. I, I think he switches off all the time. Um, it's been, I've been saying this for a while. Paul Senior, who comes on the show, holds the same opinion. Um, against City, he was superb. Yeah, he, he, he stepped in front. He stepped out. He won the ball. He seemed switched on. But I think his concentration levels are shocking. Um, and that, that again, that's on pitch mentality. Okay. Yeah. Um, and the other, the other thing to, to make is that you talk about the midfield and. How many times have you seen Ginny Wijnaldum have brilliant games against top-class opposition at Anfield? Um, I'm thinking back to his goal against Regular, Arsenal. No, regularly. Regularly. He, he always plays well at Anfield against good sides. But the rest of the time, you can't. he's nowhere to be seen. He's never scored He's never scored an away goal for Newcastle or Liverpool. That says something. Has to say something about mentality when maybe he just doesn't fancy it. And then the final point on this is that in the middle of your midfield there, you've got Emery Chan. Now, Emery Chan is going to be up for a game against Manchester City because he's hugely in the shop window. He's not so much against West Brom on a, on a Saturday night. Uh, he's leaving at the end of the at the end of the season. So he, captain, he, he, and he's captain. I know, and that you know the captaincy and the rotation of the captaincy. Is, is he going to go a, and get his leg broken? Is a whole yeah. Of course he doesn't. So he's he's not going to be as attuned to the game and as attuned to our desires to win an FA Cup as other players. He's thinking about it next season and he's thinking about his move and he's thinking about his future, a future that lies away from Liverpool. And if people thought that Coutinho would have down tools, right, well, there for me is a fella that on Saturday night down tools, letting people waltz past him completely and utterly off the pace of the game. And that's what you get. The the lad's leaving. We know that. Is there a thing in the side about... And we were talking about the mentality again, but we feel sorry for ourselves too quickly. So the, the minute that penalty hit the hit the bar and didn't go in, my immediate first thought was severe all over again. Yeah, severe all over again. Yeah, we're going to feel sorry. We're not we're not a team that will dust ourselves down if something bad happens. We just get on with it. It'll be like oh, well you know. And Robbo was quite right. Why why are we the last thirty seconds of the game before we see Van Dijk pushed in? As I said, normally down to nine men, mm. and even the goal we scored. I mean it was. It's a good finish, but it wasn't particularly brilliant football. It's just the ball's been fizzed in low, come back. And we've um, we've put in it. And we have got that within us where if something go even going back to the UEFA Cup final, we have one knock in the first minute of the second half. And when we fall off a cliff, severe again, uh, away with yeah. 3 0 up. Uh, severe we at home and away this season. Home and away this season. Yeah. And even, I mean, even going back again, I mentioned it again. The city thing, the last five minutes of that was a nightmare. I know it was a fantastic result. Yeah. And it just—it just seems that we, you, we, we you, have this panic mode. Totally. Where and, no one, and, no one, no one in that team. And I think you're right about Chan. No one in that team. There's no Steven Gerrard there or no, Carragher there. But lots of heads seems to go around. But, well, but, the, but there's no one there. There's no Carragher or Gerrard going to the rest of them and grabbing them by the scruff of the neck and going, "Come on." Yeah. You know what I mean? Come, mm-hmm. Imagine you take that game back four or five years. What's Gerrard telling? What's Gerrard doing in the last five minutes of that game? He just drive it himself, wouldn't he? That's what he, that's what he did so much. But he's dragging that, everyone. Yeah, with yeah, him. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think, I mean, Andy's absolutely spot on. And, you know, if people listening to this are saying what you said before about the on-pitch mentality not being good enough, well, do you know what the manager's job is? 
if he if he can't address the on pitch mentality with the lads that he's got, he needs to he needs to buy players who've got a better on pitch mentality. And, well, and, 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 and you know, people will say that's what he's done with Van Dijk. You know, he looks like someone who's, who's communicating, who's talking. Well, well yeah, I, I think you can see that he is like that. I mean, he looked like he, he looked like he he ended up in the general malaise a little bit on Saturday. But I think I think you've seen already that he looks like someone who talks, who shouts, who get who can organise potentially. Kiter hopefully is going to be someone like that as well. I agree with you that they should be doing more, by the way. But yeah, I mean, you know, perhaps there is just in general, you know, too many times where he's put too too much faith in too many players, basically. Mm. Because you know, while Liverpool have done well and they get you know they get in the top four last season, they get in the Champions League. We're hoping that they do the same again. There's still like a, a I don't know a a latent loser. Mentality, mentality around around quite a few of the players that he's still leaning on, mm. and and so when you see when you see a Lovren, when you see a Moreno, when you see a Mignolet make, making problems for themselves, it's not the first time. It's very much not the first time. So yeah, you're right. You, you probably need to be thinking about upgrades, but I guess you can't do it all at once. I mean, it's almost another show, isn't it? The transfer policy and and when they decide to buy and when they don't. So far, you know, Klopp stroke the people who are with him. I think it's worth saying that as well, by the way. Everyone always talks about Klopp or FSG, not both. But they also, you know, you forget about this fella who's there again, Edwards, Edwards, you know, and his team. I mean, not so long ago, they were were bigging themselves up and Klopp was doing it as well, saying, oh, the boys, you know, they persuaded me that we should pay that money for Salah. Mm -hmm. They told me. So it's not just the manager who's saying right now, I'm happy for it to go to Wednesday and we don't get anyone else in. It's a a team, yeah, Yeah. it's a club. And and no no one seems to be going hang on. Actually, maybe we'd benefit from a big buyer. Maybe we should go all out and go and get him or maybe we should go and get a keeper. Is there a collective as a no? It's a no. Is there a, a Gary McAllister out there? Do you know what I mean? Like a short term. Is yeah. there, and I, I get, I get uh, stick for saying Ronnie Rosenthal. You know, an unusual in, on the face of a short term by a loan that won Liverpool its last oh, league yeah. title. But the, man, the manager is involved in that decision. He's part of it. It's of not black, is. white, FSG, Edwards or Cobb. No. It's a collective thing. Well, had, I'm not having it. Yeah, ma- yeah. Hang on, Mike. I'm not having it that the manager, if the manager really pushed to get someone, they wouldn't go and get him. And I, I, I just thought the other night, and it's this thing about elite managers, and I think sometimes they kid themselves that they're, they're too clever, they're, they're cleverer than what they are, or they can get something out of a player that maybe other managers well, couldn't. This, this is so Klopp's they, they persevere. So they basically persevere a little too much mm. when the actual solution is much simpler. Now, a part of me admires that, that someone's got that much self-belief and self-confidence, but how big does a body of evidence have to be before you can go, well, actually, no, yeah. we need to do that. Because seasons I seasons are won and lost. Seasons are won and lost in periods like this. Absolutely. And it's all very well for, for the club to say, or put out the message, oh, it's a slow build, slow build. Mm. I've been hearing that message all my life, but most of me has a life now. How many, how many times? And, you, wait, hang on, but get, get into the economics of it. Am I, are we supposed to write off three or £4,000 a year or however much you take in? Your travel costs and whatever over the course of a season, just because we're building when the solution could be right there, yeah, in front of you. I mean, that's the, that's it from the view of the the match going supporter, and obviously not everyone that listens to this pays three thousand pounds to watch Liverpool home and away. Not everyone pays, you know, towards. A I thousand. said that as like a total amount. As a, of, as, a, as, a, as a thousand. All right then, season ticket holder, yeah. cop season ticket holder, about eight hundred quid. You know, it's an investment in 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 that season, isn't it? 
you know, come the end of the season, you know, you, you have the chance to decide, well, do I want to go again or not? But you're paying up front for that. It, it, you know, you, you, you're away you games on top. You're away games. I mean, yeah, I think mo- mo- most people who go home and away, um, before you consider, you know, a pint or whatever, it's about three grand. You tra- your tickets, you travel um, to home and away. Going away costs double because you've got transport and stuff. But getting back to the point, um, I can't remember, but what were you, what were you saying there? But the manager being too clever, backing himself maybe a little yeah. bit when? Yeah, and that, that and when you and when you said it, Robbo said it's a team, and he's right to say it's a team, and you're right to say the Klopp is integral to that team. And let's remember what he said on on his first day at Liverpool. He has the first say and he has the last say. So ultimately, the book stops with the manager. That's not just with Jurgen Klopp. That's with the manager of every single football club. If you're if you're not successful or you have a transfer policy that appears to be flawed. That's down to the manager. Rodgers used to get it off the back of the transfer committee. You know, there were players being bought, but well, the general acceptance that some were bought by Rodgers and some weren't. Mm. And you couldn't quite work out which ones at times. But nonetheless, people criticised him for his buys in general. And that included the ones that were committee buys and the ones that were deemed to be Rodgers' buys. Um, And yeah, it's it's just a fact just the fact that transfer the transfers ultimately regardless of the t- the recruitment policy and who's involved in it including the manager the manager has to carry the can for it i i think i mean what what i just know, like, we, we we talked a little bit about mentality i, I want to come on to transfers a little bit at the end um because you know we, we are only a couple of days away from the window closing but just on the 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 mentality and the sort of the way the way things seem to collapse very quickly from a good start into you know a, a bit of a, a slog, really. To me, what was concerning was the amount of poor performances. So we, you know, mentioned the midfield earlier, and the triple substitution says everything that it needs to say. That that that's a manager who isn't happy when they do that. When they when when they take three off in one go, that says to me, you know, that's a message to them. Like you, you've all been awful here, boys. You know, Milner's on for for Channing's on for Mane and Henderson on for Chamberlain. Um, but at the back as well, I mean, but both fullbacks struggle, um, and, and I know it isn't. I know Trent's a young lad, but I, I thought he had he had a nightmare really. Um, you know, he, he miscontrols one under no pressure. He balloons across into the cop. Bad day all round. Then it felt like he was being a little bit targeted at times by by West Brom as well. We've mentioned the keeper already, so they, you know, it is the vast majority of a team here that hasn't played well. Um, and that to me is a real worry. You know, long, long unbeaten run or not? Because now what we're, what we've got to talk about is is what they do to bounce back. I mean, Klopp talked about bouncing back in this game, and he didn't. Mm. And, and so now now he's looking at sort of. Ma- I think there was a few of them. A few it, of them went into the press and say, "We can put um, the previous game right." You can't. And you well, can never do that no. because those points have gone. But they, and I, I, it's one of the things that they have been me. pretty good at bouncing back on the club. I mean, yeah, I, I, you know, fair. I wrote something last week saying like the longest, the longest um, string of of defeats on the club has been has only been three. But he's on the verge of matching this year, and you know, for all the good that's being done in January, and all you know, everyone he's getting a lot of praise for the rotation, and we've achieved some good results in January, not least the City game. But we've got now this Huddersfield's become. Absolute must win, hasn't it? Yeah, and and, and bear in mind that um, most of the team that you'd probably want to select for Huddersfield has got ninety minutes of uh, slog in those legs. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in terms of the rotation, but ultimately there's not much to rotate. 
Because we've because we're light on attacking options. Well, we people are. are talking about Woodburn again now, aren't they? Because he, you know, he's played well for the under 23s. And, and I, I, he hasn't, he hasn't, he hasn't had a minute in the first. No, I, I mean, I like Ben Woodburn. I think he potentially he could be a great player. He could be uh, Phil Casino because he's got all he's got all the same gifts. Drops a shoulder, finds little pockets of space. He's got vision. He's can he can score he's goals. Clever. He's, he's clever. He's, well, he's eighteen years of age and he scored his first goal for Liverpool when he was sixteen. We've barely seen him since. So. If if we are now turning to Ben Bed Ben Woodburn, we're saying to Ben Woodburn rather, um, we're, t- we're turning to, to him to say, "All right, lads, you get stripped." And he's thinking, "Christ, I haven't played for six months," yeah. and that that in itself doesn't doesn't smack of any real planning because if we knew Coutinho was going and we were going to begin to rely on Ben Woodburn, then he should have been getting minutes. And in Klopp's rotation policy, which he's done really well with in getting those eighteen match unbeaten run. There was there was ample opportunity for Woodburn to be having twenty minutes here, twenty minutes there, a start here, a start there. I mean, the derby for ex- for for example, Solanke, Solanke's played in that one. He played at Stoke, I think. He played at Burnley. Now, Sol- Solanke hasn't scored a goal for Liverpool. Why is why has Ben Woodburn not been afforded a similar le- level of opportunity? Three starts, five appearances off the be- bench. We haven't seen him. Yeah, I mean, you know that the, the substitution I mentioned. I think it's worth mentioning that. There's a little bit of impetus from around them. I thought Danny Ings was quite lively. Uh, you 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 mentioned Henderson earlier on. Um, I mean Henderson. There's this continual debate, and Neil Neil had his rant about it on one of the other podcasts, and I agreed with him. Where like I, I don't know why there is the continual debate of sort of Henderson v Chan. I'm not bothered about either individual. I just want Liverpool to win football matches. And to me, from what I saw just Saturday alone. When Henderson's on the pitch, I mean, and we get all this crap levelled at us about being Henderson fanboys, and it's really boring and just pack it in, boys, because what's the point? Um, but when he come on, it just through doing things quite simply and and like look, you know, playing forward passes, there was a little bit of momentum off the back of that. Did you think, and? Yeah, I thought so. Three substitutes impacted the game positively, uh, not positively enough, but yeah, to think in that in that little uh, that spell when they all come on, we we looked. As dangerous, or if not more dangerous, than we did through the entire game. I agree with what you said. Things looked bright, if, even if his touch wasn't quite. You know, he looked like he hadn't. He didn't have much minutes, especially when that one bounced off his ass. Yeah, got a couple the, of efforts uh, in, in though, didn't he? Yeah, no, he Little did. Pen shouts and stuff like that. Yeah, no, hey, listen, I'm, I'm fine with him. I, I like him as a player. Um, Anderson, a little bit of zip in there. You can. It's a difficult one because, as you said, I, I'm almost bored myself with the whole Chan the Henderson debate because yeah. it, it's it's a nonsense and it's almost well, like the debate. The debate's nearly over. You're not allowed an opinion on it because yeah. if you favour one over the other, well, well, Chan's going. So yeah, yeah, yeah Chan's going. So, so there's no need to have that debate anymore, is well, there? Really, whether, it, whether whether you're on one side or the other, there'll be no one to compare because Chan's going. It, but it, it doesn't matter to me. It really doesn't. I think personally, but, I think Anderson's better. So no, Anderson probably is. He's good enough. It's a different discussion, but he showed more impetus, more zip, bit more incision, a bit of agency. I mean, we talk about there's been a lot. Anderson's an interesting one because I think he tries dead hard to be a leader. What we were saying before about dragging the team forward, I think he. Try, I don't think it comes naturally to him, mm. but I think at least he tries to do it. He's at least got some sense of it and some gumption, and you know. Could he? Could we improve in that area? Possibly, but at least he'd, he'd have a go. I think uh, Ings looked. I said, looked like he hadn't he hadn't played a while, but that that'll come. But it comes back to the the, the Ings thing. He shouldn't be your break glass. Do you know what I mean? 
Danny Ings shouldn't be your break glass. Same, same goes for Wood Ben. I mean, I, look, I give Wood Ben a game now, but then the pressure you're putting on him by pl- by mm. playing him, I don't yeah. think that's I don't I don't think that's fair on him either. I don't think it's fair you're on Ings. About, you're, you're I don't about think two, it's fair on Wood Ben. You're talking about two players there who should be coming on and we're two and three nil up and you, for half an hour and getting the minutes in and getting and getting the confidence. Yeah. But look, if had the game gone on for five minutes longer, or rather, had the game played had the referee added the correct amount of time that he should have done I think we get that equaliser I think I mean you saw the final whistle they were they were dead on the feet mm. they were absolutely done they couldn't have took much more but it still doesn't take away the fact but that you we think got we helped ourselves even in those states even in those no, states because what, what, what was frustrating for me was, was the amount of crosses that were just sort of thrown in um, crosses from the sort of wrong position as well I thought some of the set pieces were really odd particularly the where Milner plays oh, it to Moreno yeah like I, I didn't see how that benefited us in any way there seemed to be little arguments around who was on free kicks as well you know was it Salah was it Trent well we lost our free well, kick collective I know and, yeah and corner taker and it, but it doesn't feel like they've, they've quite fixed that or, no. we, or, or worked out Oxley Chamberlain's and, been and we've missed another pen <laughs> yeah. so, Oxley Chamberlain's been decent on them to be fair but it's it's that deep crossing you're exactly right it's that collective groan because you've sat on the cop I sit on the yeah. cop that collective groan when we start booming it in from about 40 yards away from the byline. And if you're a big centre-half, that's meat and drink, isn't it? Yeah, because you've got 30 yards to see the ball. It's not like a quick and yeah. cross across the front of the goal where you haven't got time to react. You're talking about a big, booming cross where you can see it coming in from 30, 40 yards against a compact defence. So, so They've got something to hold their defence in their area. It's not even as if they're on the attack and need something and are leaving gaps. And it just seems like the most lazy thing in the world to do. I mean, really lazy, and it smacks off a team that have, that's run out of ideas. All right, we upped the tempo a little bit, but how did, how did we score? Not from a big booming cross. How did, how did Salah get his goal? It bounced off Firmino too. It bounced off Firmino too, <laughs> but, but, it it was a low, but it was a low cross. Yeah, yeah. It was a low cross from in le, more or less parallel, in line with the edge of the 18-yard box. And you get little bits and bits and bats and, you know, you, you get the bits off it and we end, we end up scoring. You're not getting that from booming it in from 40. And, and, exactly and, right. and the mad thing is, is that when Liverpool are at the best and, you know, again, going back to the City games, Liverpool really play intelligent football and they make the right choices and they don't they don't whack balls over because that's not the way we play. And yet suddenly they can, they can just regress into this almost agricultural style of play that's got... Completely out of keeping because with no the way one wants that to we, take responsibility. Yeah, right? it, that's it, what it, it is. It, it is, and, and and then that comes down to lack of confidence. And you think, well, where's the confidence gone after eighteen games? It just vanished overnight. And easy choices, and you know, as opposed, as opposed to brave choices. I and mean, they talk, people talk about bravery in football these days. And there's no, you know, there's no bravery in, te- in in terms of the tackling these days. You can't get away. You can get away with with, with 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 nothing really. But you can. There's still a different kind of bravery, and that's about not whacking a, a lazy. Long cross towards the, towards the back post. It's about to who keep, though keep, as well, though, Mike. Who, who are we crossing to? Who are we crossing to? Well, uh, I don't know. I think we sold Carroll, didn't we? <laughs> no, but no. Honestly, the, the, uh, say this point I mean. for a sec. Yeah, who are we crossing to? Because it wasn't until the last, as was said before by Robert, we went until the last couple of minutes. We threw Van Dijk yeah. up. So who's winning the med- Who's winning there against when West Brom have got it's about just six players in the box, all about six foot three. Yeah, and we're crossing it. Who are we crossing to? Yeah, it doesn't it, You know what it is? It's tactical stupidity. That's what it is. 
I mean, we, we did we did see two of our front three score great goals. That's worth saying. Uh, obviously, uh, obviously now Salah's on twenty five goals for the season, which is phenomenal. Uh, so good for him, and let's hope that that continues to be the case. Uh, what we, what we haven't got into, I feel like we've done as much as we can probably do on the actual match itself. Um, the, the, there's not loads for me to work with here. I mean, no wonder Neil's jib this one. Uh, perhaps he could see into the times. He's well done. He? I know. Yeah, he, he's, he's away in Dublin. If you're wondering, um, he will have watched it, but uh, he's not on this. Show to, uh, to to try and get into it, but um, what we haven't mentioned so far then is is the VAR the thing that everyone uh, ad nauseum has been talking about for a, for it feels like forever. Um, and but th- the difference now is is of course we've all now been inside the ground when it's happened. Uh, we we've all seen what it's like. We can all have an opinion on it now. Um, I mean, I don't know. What, I don't know what you thought, fellas, but for me, like it it, it just absolutely sort of killed the momentum killed the vibe uh, it felt like no one knew what was going on not only us in the stands but also players on the pitch are appealing for Everton doing that little telly sign all the time which is not even a thing you can't urge the referee to do it the referee himself I thought seemed over nervous at times that he was checking in almost with with with, with the VAR Um almost taken away from his do, doing his job to an extent because if he's just out there and not, not knowing there's someone in his ear and there's someone sitting in Heathrow looking at tellies, he seems to just crack on with his job then. And if he gets it wrong, he gets it wrong. But with this, it's like, I don't know, I, I wonder where, how it's affecting him mentally. And we probably never find out because they don't talk to us, do they? But I wasn't sure about that. Um, it took three minutes from Salabi and I mean it actually benefits Liverpool is the mad thing I'm moaning about it but it benefits Liverpool but being inside the ground it didn't benefit me as a fan I thought it was awful to watch but yeah three minutes from Salabi and fouled until Firmino scores Uh, the scoreboard was going absolutely wild to whoever was doing that didn't have a clue what was going on one minute it said 3-1 next minute it said 2-2 and then it was back to 2-1 and it almost the other the other thing I worry about is is it almost sort of killing the joy a little bit in that you know you score a goal and then all of a sudden you're looking at the referee and looking where his hand is is it on his ear yeah. has he gone to watch that telly on the halfway line is it all right this goal and I don't know I mean what what, what do you make of Mike? <laughs> I mean you've summed, you've summed much of it up really well there I mean just on this on the, the sort of killing the celebrations I mean I suppose I mean I agree with you with you there <clears throat> West Brom score. All of a sudden, it's 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 challenged. Is it a goal? Is it? And then you have to wait, God knows how long, to find out. And then the celebration of the goal being awarded ultimately is 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 muted, isn't yeah, it? It's like it's, it's like it's like a try in rugby union, the ten a penny. Um, and I suppose, I suppose, like if you're playing devil's advocate to that argument, you could say that they got your chance you to got celebrate. Them right. Well, yeah. yeah no, right. gonna, what I was going to say was that um, basically the West Brom fans got the chance to celebrate the same goal twice. Yeah. Um, so there's that, um, but just like the, the joy was sort of split in half. Um, another point. Um, I mean, I've got I've got a stance on on use of video on making decisions because I'm I'm a big cricket fan and I, I watched the way that it's been utilised in cricket, probably for the better. Actually, it's made it a better game. But cricket's got natural breaks at the end of mm. every ball. You know, there's 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 two minutes basically before the next delivery. The game is 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 perfect for it. The same. And it actually adds it adds to the tension. It adds it adds to the experience in the ground. It added nothing to us because it confusion is is yeah. the is the, um, is the is the word for me when you're in the ground. You know what's going on? And then all of a sudden, is has it been disallowed? As you say, looking at the scoreboard, it's going back from three to two. To you know, I, I wouldn't want to be in charge of that job because I didn't know what the bloody score was. No. Um, and. 
I mean, look, it is a trial and all that, and we get that, and you know, there's bound to be teething problems. Get that, but, but it, it just feels like something to me, and that you know, I've watched the game at the ground, and I've watched the game last night on the telly as well. And if you're watching it on the telly, it's a it's a totally different experience because you know the television company has got the, basically got the access to the same stuff that the, the video refs got. So while while we're all waiting round in the ground for three minutes for them to decide what they're doing on the telly, you're watching the replay mm-hmm. and the commentators are saying, "Well, that looks a penalty," and you can see why that one's being pulled. And it, and it, it makes sense to to the TV viewer, but it doesn't make sense when you're in the ground. But even then, I don't think it makes sense to the TV viewer. So. So what I mean by that is, let's go back to the, the, the Salah decision. And this is my thing with VAR. You've wasted three minutes of the game, which has totally killed the atmosphere inside the ground. And I went back and watched this last night. The Salah decision, it's interpretive. I don't see. I, I, it's not by... Yeah, how much has he flourished and all that? Uh, yeah, is it, yeah, is it definitely 100% a penalty? Well, I don't know, is it? The, even well, even with the benefit of hindsight, you're still going on an interpretation sure, yeah. of an event. Absolutely. I mean, and that's, and that, that's took three minutes to, of the to, game. To a, to a degree, that's the same with the cricket as well. There's still a decision for the for the, uh, the tele- television umpire to make once he's seen the video. So it's the same concept, but, no, but cricket, Mike, cricket's different, isn't it? Because it, yeah, go well, ahead. I'm, oh, a bit, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a nerd and I'm all for technology. So I think mm. the goal line thing, fine. It's yeah. binary. Yes, no, black, white. Yeah. Whatever. But when, is when it a is corner? It, when interpretation, you're right. Yeah. Is it a corner? Yes, no. Mm. Is it a throw-in? Yes, no. Mm. Fine. Great. All for it. I'll me, sign me up. Me too. It just seems for the, the marginal benefit, again, which is still interpretive, is nowhere near worth the cost of what it, what it actually does to the game. Absolutely. Over three no. minutes, I mean, I've actually yeah. wrote my notes there, it feels dead rugby union, and then you said it. But look at the actual impact on the players. Part you after the game. Mm. They've got away with the with, with the result. Well, deservedly, they deservedly got the results. Mm. But he was saying two of their injuries, their hamstring injuries, were down. Yeah. To the break in the game, because yeah. the players keep and moving. It's a constant flip. Well, it's, and there's a Liverpool point to be made there. If Liverpool at the best, they're all about tempo and rhythm. We don't. Well, exactly. we, we don't game stop them for four well, minutes. Did, 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 it'll count against look, us. Look at that. Look at that patch of play against Manchester City. Yeah. Look at that patch of play against Manchester City when we score them goals there. Yeah, the three goals in seven minutes. Yeah, exactly. Ten minutes. Imagine there's a two minute break yeah. or a three minute break in absolutely. the middle. You don't, the get, mi- you don't get that at all. Do you? No, I mean, absolutely and the other, not. The, the other, <clears throat> if this comes in wholesale in, into the league, um, the other thing to consider really is, is the type is, is the players that you sign and the ones who are good at reviews and and know ultimately I've got a sense for whether the goal's offside and some players are better at that than others. So you might, it, it, it almost completely. Changes the face of of, well, of, the, of your recruitment policy because you're looking for go, people who are, are savvy with the with the use of technology and when to review, how to um, coerce referees into reviewing things. And just as, as on a on a lighter note, I mean, I suggest that we we, we sign Joe Roos and Mo and Ali because they're brilliant at it. They're absolutely spot on. Whenever they get it, they go for a review, um, they generally speaking get it right. So, and England do well out of it. And not and furthermore, Mo and Ali, he's a Liverpool fan. He'd be perfect for us. I'd play him in midfield. But, but also, isn't the idea as well that it's like striving for some kind of referee and perfection that you're probably never going to achieve anyway? Because while there the, the seems to be lots of back pattern about it, oh well, you know, that was a, he got all the major decisions right because he, he used the he used the VAR. At the same time, though, there's a pretty nasty challenge on Firmino that doesn't get picked up, mm. uh, which when you watch back, you think, well, did no one want to pull that one? Um, and then there's the issue still, which wouldn't wouldn't go to a VAR to get that. But the referee there, I I, I reckon I counted seven times said to Ben Foster, hurry up, 
or he up. Well, he, he was taking an absolute age to do everything, which they do, and which he's got every right to do. Mm. And which if if the boot was on the other foot and it was Liverpool defending a lead, and you know our keeper was was messing around taking time, you'd go, well, that's dark arts and that's sound. But but he, he never ever books him. You, you know, is it really? As you say, is it added on? And and so you know that there isn't there isn't a perfect referee performance basically ever. Well, you know, because it it still involves humans. Yeah. But on on that goalkeeper thing specifically, what did what did they do? If they ever get booked? They never ever booked them up until about eighty minutes. Yeah. When it's quite clear from the get go. They're going to be at it from the start. And if you book them, they're not going to carry no, on doing it. Well, no, exactly, exactly. So get you. It's to, it's the extent to which it then begins to be used. And I've, I, I said this years ago when the first idea of um, of using video technology on, on, in football games was first mooted. Is that every time the ball's played forward by a team, there's a decision to be made there. Is it offside? Mm. Every time the ball is kicked forward, is it offside? Right now. How far do you want to take it? I mean, that's the extreme example, isn't it? You ultimately, you. But you're you're allowing that scenario. That potentially, this, and it's really what you've got here is the, it's the thin end of the wedge, um, and as I say, the, there's decisions. A referee makes a decision, positively or negatively, either to award a foul or not award a foul, about every three, four seconds, every time there's a challenge. Now. To what extent, you know, how far are you going to go with this? And wh- when when are you going to use it? I mean, is there a, a, a side, do sides have a number of re- reviews that, that are allowed? Is that... No, that- no. See, what they haven't entertained is bringing... And it's been suggested that you get, like in cricket, you get yeah. two challenges. Yeah. At, at the moment, it's Perfect. purely the referee. Yeah. Well, I, I, no, well, I, I think... You'll have someone in his ear going, and so <laughs> if the referee's made a, deci- made a bad decision... Whoever's watching it 200 yeah. miles away can go, no, I'm, I'm having a look at that. Okay. So in theory... So in theory, so say Salah's penalty decision isn't given, the ball stays in play. Mm-hmm. West Brom could go up the other end of the pitch, yeah. score a legitimate goal. And then it gets pulled back. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that, that's madness in itself. Um, but well, the, the, in, in cricket, I mean, I, I, it's not a perfect um, comparison because it's a different sport, but it, and, it, and it's the same in tennis as well, that each side or each player has, a, has got a number of reviews that, that they can use. And if you, if you review something and you get it right... And ultimately, you prove to be right. Then the decision is corrected in your favour, and you don't lose your review. So ultimately, it's about it's about being skilled, and it becomes part of the game. And Tactical. And another skillful part of the game. So you don't review stuff that's just mad. You just you review when you genuinely think you've you, you know you've been but we badly saw, done. To. We saw the we are how it's still reliance on subjectivity because while uh, you know some of the some of the decisions that go to the to the video ref, he just accepts. Mm. For the penalty, he runs to the halfway line, goes down the tunnel, and, and watches it on the telly. So, so that that said to me, there was still some doubt then. And then he was he was being well. Ultimately, the ultimate decision is with the the match referee, not the fella in Heathrow. Why is he in London? That's I, the other thing. I've no, the, no idea. The, the, the reason behind that is that they don't want them to be coerced. So he watches it with no sound on either. Yeah. So well, basically, what 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 they're saying is the intimation is that a referee can be swayed by a home crowd. So they picked this neutral. <laughs> how, how ironic is that? I know. Isn't, so, that the, isn't that what the game's all about? So they're putting yeah. him in like a soundproof room yeah. where he can be totally subjective, which is mad because he's being totally subjective about something which is absolutely objective. Totally. Yeah. And, and how does that make so, sense? Well, well, here's a recommendation. Why don't we stretch that a bit, bit, bit further and only employ deaf referees? Fucking <laughs> oh, hell. Uh, okay. 
Let's leave VAR there. Then I think you've, you think you've heard the, the opinions. Or at least one with earplugs. Um, no doubt we will be talking about it again. Can I just ask you gonna, question? There's one more thing about this though, is that what, we, what you've all said or touched on there is that it requires more development. And what I worry about is already the people saying, you know, Mike and the referee up, including me, I wrote that on, on Saturday night, you know, screens in the ground mm. and all this. And like, if that's where we go with it, then it just it, it's just to me another step towards the top level of football almost being a completely different sport to what, to what you see further down the pyramid and I think that's a little bit the, sad. And the other thing as well is that if the, if, if the, the authorities, FIFA, UEFA, the Premier League are right behind this and they believe that it ultimately results in more fairness for all its issues, then they've jumped the gun too soon because what you need for it to, to be operating successfully are parameters to use like the review system the technology that, um, like the microphone referee and the screen, so that the, 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 so that the people in the in the stadium can participate and I'm get something right, out yeah. of it. But so they've basically they've they've put this in way before any real logical thought as how as to how it would best work. Um, so they've jumped the gun, and now they've created a situation where probably most supporters are fairly negative about it. And there was bad publicity about it in the last round. We weren't involved in anywhere. We but there was there was there were other games that were Chelsea. Yeah. Chelsea was it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so they're creating bad publicity. They're turning people off the idea before they've actually explored it with the right with the right uh, backing behind. Well, the, it goal, the, the goal line thing works, doesn't it? Because you said before, it's just it's black and it's white, out, and, it's, it's, yeah, it's and it's instantaneous yeah. as well. It, yeah. it, there's no big weight. That's right. The ref gets a buzz on his, yeah. his watch, doesn't he? That's what I mean. So, so that that's has, all right. So that's been thought out because they thought they thought about that for a long, long time. Yeah. And when they did finally put it in place, everyone was like, "Yeah, I can see the benefit. Can see how it works. It's sound." Whereas this. You know, they're messing around with it, and as you say, it, it doesn't feel like it's been developed enough. It just throw it in, see what happens, and and that's all well and good. But when you're paying, you know, fifty six quid or whatever to get inside the ground and watch that, and it ends up spoiling your enjoyments and spoiling what you're used to, then I I personally don't think that's on. Where does I mean, it, it end up? I mean, it does not feel. Maybe I'm just being maybe uber cynical with the game, where the game's gone, but it does not feel a bit sky. So hear me out a minute. So the next thing, see, this gets brought in. Who's to say, like in the cricket and other sports, they go to an ad break while VAR is being assessed? More advertising opportunities, breaks well, the game. they're already talking about just, sponsoring exactly, the, the VAR. Yeah, exactly, I'm, exactly. It just feels like another benefit to the viewer at home at the absolutely. cost of the match going fan. I'm yeah. sorry. No, and you're totally right, Andy. And, you know, let's face it, um, you know, if you want to draw an, um, an analogy there, where's most of the money coming into football from now? It's TV, isn't it? The, the money that we pay as much as it is to, to it, for, you know, a, a hit to our own wallets or money stuffed in, in, in down jeans pockets like like Carragher would have is, um, you know, it's a big hit on us, right? But the amount of, the amount of money that we provide as a proportion of the game's wealth is now minimal, and um, I think unfortunately that's the way it's going. Decisions are going to be made for TV viewers, not maybe not I'm looking at it too far, but I can just see a world in which that that that's what someone's yeah, sponsoring. And, and, and if I'm at home watching a match, and if, if I think VAR is enhancing my TV experience, I get that because I watch a lot of football on television. I, get, I watch more football on TV because I watch four matches a week, whereas I probably watch Liverpool once a week. So a quarter of the time I'm in the ground. For, but it's about really it's it's about the authorities thinking about what's important, who's important. And at the moment, you, I think you could make a very strong case to say that they, they're more bothered about the TV TV viewer there's almost, because that's where the brass is. There's, there's almost a Black Mirror episode in this where the viewers at home vote for the decision. Yeah. 
Well, it's Huddersfield tomorrow anyway. night anyway. Let's let, let's have a little chat about that. Uh, don't don't need to go into great detail because uh, for subscribers, we will of course be doing the team talk show where we look at you know both managers' press conferences, speak to a Huddersfield fan, everything else, do a proper preview of it. But um, just briefly, I mean, what what are you expecting in terms of a lineup and what you want to see in terms of performance? Um, as far as the lineups concerned, I mean, it, it's I, I pretty much picks itself because I don't think there's that many options. I mean, and um, Henderson I'd, back in midfield. Henderson back in midfield. I would say, yeah. Um, I'd, I'd, I wouldn't have Matip anywhere near the side. I'd have Robertson back in. I'd have uh, Joe Gomez back in. Um, front three picks itself. They're the only three we've got of any of any real quality. And then in midfield, yeah, maybe bring Henderson back in and. You know, one of one of the probably when Alden will miss out because he he, he he goes missing away from home too much. Um, in terms of performance, just it's basically the opposite of what I've seen in the last two games, which is a bit of flair, a bit of, bit of creativity, a bit of self confidence. Um, I fully expect Liverpool to win tomorrow night because we're playing Klopp's mates, aren't we? Um, and I and also Huddersfield the crap. And if you you know, I know we lost to Swansea, but these are the games we've got to be winning. We're in a race for fourth now. We had a little bit of a cushion before Swansea, but that's gone now. Um, and I, I think it's it's going to be, it's going to be tight towards the end of the season. So these these Spurs are most, on Sunday as well. Yeah, those, which well, is going huge. into that, that's yeah. going to be massive. I mean, you know, if Liverpool. Let's say for argument, take Liverpool draw tomorrow night. You go into that Spurs game pretty much level with Spurs. If Spurs come to Anfield and then win, then they're ahead of us in that race, and we're we're probably fifth. And that's the nightmare scenario, isn't it? When you, everyone wants to wait. Everyone's happy who's waiting for signings. Come the summer, if Liverpool have finished fifth, you can wait all you want because no one will be coming. Yeah, over clutching at straws as well. It's good that uh, it's good that Spurs got. A, I've got another game. They've got to play a replay against the uh, against Newport. I always knew that goal was coming. By the way, I was watching that one. Um, what a and, game uh, that was, by the way. Yeah, it was cracker, wasn't it? Um, anything to add to? to what Mike said about Huddersfield? Yeah, I wonder. What, I wonder whether Klopp would do his usual thing, and he's got he's got this mad, this mad thing where he won't drop a player immediately after a poor game. He'll wait for another game and then and then drop him almost to not bait, go to the bay and mob. So I could actually see him going to Huddersfield with obviously change the goalkeeper and maybe Anderson, but keep more or less the same side. Give the lads who let him down and let us down against West Brom a chance to go right here. Go and put that right. Maybe Robertson back in for Mereno though, but generally the, the, the yeah the, the same side. And yeah, I've got every confidence we'll beat Huddersfield. Oh, by the way, if anyone's got, uh, anyone lives near the ground where I could lash my laptop during the game so I can <laughs> actually go in there, uh, hit me up on Twitter and that. But uh, yeah, and then Spurs, Spurs at the uh, at the weekend at Anfield, I think it'll be a cracker. I think, uh, I fancy us, you know, I fancy yeah, us. Yeah, I, th- I, mean, I think it would. It's the type of game big that occasion, and, and Big occasion. If Poch- you remember back to last season, uh, Pochettino played massively into our hands then he played with a massive high line. Yeah. It'd be really interesting to see how... How they set up tactically next week. It feels like one. It feels like one as well. That's that, that's almost good for the manager and the way he is as well. And like you know, he can pitch it as you can pitch it to the players as you know. Let's go out there and get some revenge yeah. for what happened at Wembley and that sort of stuff as well. So you got that. That it's added. a massive week, isn't it? It's but a massive, massive. Well, it's a massive week as well because the transfer window closes. I mean, just briefly on that as well. Again, to emphasise that we have got a gutter show on the uh, on the subscriber feed on tour player uh, five pound a month to have a go with that. Uh, the gutter show is everything about. Transfers, possible transfers, rumours. That is why it's called the gutter. Rob Gutman's crawling around in it and he's telling you the latest rumours and assessing them and, and deciding whether they're going to happen. I mean, either of you expect anything? It's looking it's looking pretty like they're not going to do anything. No, no, we've just done the gutter before this, actually. Yeah. It'll be out. Uh, I think this will just be coming out after it. So you've already heard me saying, 
No, I don't think that anything's going to no. happen here. No, uh, well, I mean, I, I have, uh, I've been busy over the weekend, very busy with my new job, and um, yeah, so I've, I've not, I've not been following it. Only in the expectancy that probably nothing will happen. And I came in and saw Rob disappearing out the room after he'd done the gutter. I said, any transfer news, Rob? Open for good news. And he went, Sturridge is going to Newcastle on loan, apparently. I went, right, any incomings? Nah, mate. Okay, and that's the gutter man. That's all, folks. <laughs> that's the guy who loves the transfers. Big sell for it from Mike there. Um, it's a good show. It was a good show, to be fair. Well, before we go as well, just a shout for uh, something that the rest of the Anfield app team has been working really hard on. Uh, a series of audio documentaries about significant days in the club's history. Uh, as I say, really proud of this one. We think it's, we think it's a, a, a great listen. Uh, and the first tour moment in time will be out on Thursday. Uh, and a little taste that is going to follow in a second, so have a listen to that. Uh, but this has been the Anfield Wrap in association with Reds Bet. Thanks to Andy Heaton, thanks to Mike Nevin. Let's hope we can talk about a Liverpool victory soon. Things weren't right at Anfield, and particularly for Kenny Dagalish. The following day, Dagalish informed the club executives of his desire to leave Liverpool. Dagalish was asked to reconsider, to have a break, but he was insistent on his decision. The first people to find out about Kenny's resignation were his family. Sky Sports and BBC Five Live presenter Kelly Cates was then Kelly Dagalish, a 16-year-old living with her parents in Southport. I remember coming back from school and I'd gone over to my friend's house who lived across the road and I got called back and my mum had said, oh, come back. And I, thought, I genuinely thought I was in trouble because of the tone of her voice and you know, being called back early from my mates. It was really weird. And I went into the house and mum said, um, I need to tell you, your dad's leaving Liverpool. And I remember being just so confused. I was like, what, what do you mean leaving? I don't, cause, because it's all I'd known since I was two. So, it, you know, I, I didn't have any memory of a time when it wasn't part of life. And she said, yeah, he's leaving, leaving, as in he's handing in his resignation and, He's not going back and they're going to announce it tomorrow. And it was just a really strange, um, just a really strange experience. I mean, it's probably overstating it to say it felt like a death, but it it did feel like an ending. And 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 they're the sort of, it's those similar feelings. Not as extreme as that, but definitely along those lines that's that's kind of how it felt and then later that night he came back and he brought a box full of stuff from his office and I remember just sobbing just thinking this is it it was it was the weirdest strangest thing in the world it just didn't feel real because it kind of been a much as much a part of our lives as any of the people in it really it was it was always there so the fact that it was all changing was Really unsettling and really sad. Sports Social Podcast Network.